Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. One of the trends that's just impossible for anybody to escape is the aging population and the demographic changes that are happening in the U.S. On today's show, we have two guests that are on the front lines of that that change um, from Isaacson Living. So we have Andy Isaacson and Dave Wan, his CFO, here to talk to us about senior living and some of the really exciting changes that are happening and how we're taking care of our seniors. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you. Andy, start off by telling us about some of the new ways and new models that are emerging for taking care of seniors that you're seeing in the industry? Well, we're seeing a lot of things. I think we need some new models in, in senior housing. Uh, things are changing. The population is changing. The, the baby boomers are coming into the uh, the market. Kind of on two ends of it, younger side of on independent living, we're doing some high-end condominiums that are for 55 and o- older. We also have health care with that, but it's not really, we don't label it as a retirement community. Is for which nobody really likes anyway. Nobody likes that word. Yeah, so, and so many people in their seventies or seniors they're still working and and work for a long time. So that's not really the appropriate uh, word for it anymore. And then on the other side, on the uh, on the healthcare side, uh, it, over the years we'll be facing more and more of a labor uh, challenge, and uh, we need some better op- op- options in long term care. And uh, we've been uh, uh, getting ready to open our first uh, household community, which is a different way of uh, running long term care and skilled in memory care. Uh, instead of being institutional, they're set up like homes. Consistent staffing is, is like, it's not home-like, it's, it's, it is home. Uh, mm-hmm. We do them in 18, we call them members, would be in a household. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's a different way of doing health care. And we do it because the uh, members like it a lot better and also the staff that work there like it a lot better. And we say you, it's got to be a great place, to be a great place to live, it's got to be a great place to work. This household model, I'm very, very interested in it. One of the things that struck me when we were talking about it yesterday is it seems to give people a lot more dignity, right, as they age. What does that household model look like in a little bit more detail? So you said 18 members, you called them, and you said it's not like a like home. It is, it is home. So what is the day-to-day life like for somebody that's living in this, this household model? Um, how, how are some of the things that you would typically see in what we call a nursing home? How are those things different in uh, the household model versus uh, the, the model you know, versus in the household model versus what we might be used to? Well, Pebblebrook at Park Springs will be our first household model. Um, Pebble, what is it? Pebblebrook. Okay. It's at Park Springs. It's a sixty-acre community. Uh, we've got you know about six hundred people that live out there, uh, but this is a, a, a new building for us, and we're doing the household model. So each household uh, is for eighteen people. And these would be seniors, right? 18 seniors. seniors, okay. Seniors in long-term care. We have uh, we have a kitchen. We have a a dining room right there, much like your home. Uh, living area. There's a homemaker in the uh, in the kitchen uh, that prepares the meals. Uh, you get up when you want to get up. You don't get up when somebody wakes you up. You get up when you want to get up. And when you want to go in the kitchen, you go in the go in the kitchen dining room, and we'll ask you what you want for breakfast. Mm. Uh, so it's a much different way of. Of doing things, so and, and today is there's not a set schedule. It's uh, you know, well, what do you want to do today? And you know, what do you feel like in the moment? And uh, and they're on sixty beautiful acres, right? Okay. And they have the same 
same staff there, so everybody knows each other. It's a family-like environment, uh, you know, consistent. It's the same people working the same household every day because everybody knows everyone. So everybody knows your likes and dislikes. You know, the, they don't have to ask, ask you how you like your eggs. They know how you like your eggs, you know. <laughs> and and how does this progress as people may may age? So, I mean, you know, if you think about somebody who may may or may not be able to get up the, up and down the stairs the way they would when they maybe may have entered the home. How does it progress over time in terms of the care? Well, our particular niche, we have a lot of tools in our toolbox, Park Springs, Peace Hills Place. I mean, 80, 85% of the people live independently. Mm-hmm. Most people come in living independently, but on campus, uh, for the future should they ever need it, we have home care, we have our own medical practice, uh, we have skilled nursing, we have uh, memory care, we have adult daycare, we have assisted living. So we have a, a lot of tools in our toolbox so people can come in independently. They don't have to worry about the future and you never know what might happen, but if something does happen, we have the, the tools there to uh, to accommodate you. And we try to have a great lifestyle and we're living independently and that we're trying to take that into if you ever need healthcare, we won't have that same life lifestyle in, in, in healthcare because your life goes on. Right. And Dave, what are the economics of this model like? And how do they differ from some of the other models that people, with which people may also be a little more familiar? You know, um, you know, in our in our model, it's it's uh, you know labor and the related you know costs that go along with that are about you know that's about half our half our budget. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, you know it's high touch. That's what our you know our buyers expect, and so there's a you know a good bit of of uh, service that that goes along with that and therefore cost. So it all, you know, in all labor related costs represent about half of our operating budget. And the way we approached, um, you know, going to this household model was more from the context of how can we improve the product? Um, Which everybody I know is really concerned about, right? That's yeah, that, 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 that's right. And uh, you know, when, 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 when half your budget is, is labor related, you know, turnover is, is, uh, you know, it, it, it affects the, you know, the, the, the delivery of service. It, it also, you know, affects the continuity of care. And so we looked at this household model as something that could improve that. Kind of comparing the overall staffing levels, it's about the same. In terms of the overall cost, it's about the same. But we feel like we can do better at retaining our people, at attracting people and retaining people. Because when you lose someone, you're typically replacing that with overtime. And so there's a cost associated with that. You're also taxing your existing st- you know, group of employees, right? Because now you're having to ask them to work more. Uh, then there's also the effort of going out and trying to find somebody new and then to train them. And so, and, 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 and so all of that collectively creates a challenge in you know, our delivery of services and delivery of care. And so we looked at this household model as an opportunity to try to, you know, to, to, to fix that to some extent. So I, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. Did you say that the for the consumer that the cost is likely to be the same for this household model versus the other models that that, that are out there? It is. Well, in, 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 in fact, our, our fees are actually going down some, you know, at, you know, converting from where they are today, going over to our expansion. They'll actually decrease some. That's actually pretty good because, I mean, you mentioned, Andy, that that this model has been in place in some other places like Europe. What are the differences in terms of satisfaction and, and employee retention that you're finding in the household model versus um, some of the standalone standalone models that, you, that you've seen? Like, are people happier? And what do, what do studies say about people being happier there? Well, as you mentioned, uh, 
it's been around in Europe. It's been around other parts of the United States. It hasn't really been here in Georgia. There's one small community outside of Atlanta that, that has done it, but it's really not been prevalent here. And uh, actually, when we've gone to look at other places, we've had to travel. We've gone to Pennsylvania. We've gone to uh, Chicago. Did you take a ch- uh, an opportunity to go to France? or? or no, but we are, we, we are doing some uh, training with a group out of the, the UK. So. Okay. And uh, one of the places we went uh, was in Pennsylvania. They have a community there that adopted a household model, you know, I think 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, uh, many of the people that were, that were there when they opened it are still there. And I went in there, one of their households, and I asked, asked the manager, this was a memory care household, I said, well, uh, what, what's your turnover here? And she said, well, I've been here five years, and I can, I can count on one hand the turnover we've had. And it's basically been because somebody's husband got transferred or something like that. So, you know, people... You know the staff really like it, and 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 we keep them. And you know, you would ask a lot, a lot of other places around Atlanta, and they they can have you know fifty percent turnover turnover in a year. All right, go ahead, Dave. And and, and I would just say, and th- and this is against the backdrop of you know if if and I, I don't know the exact numbers or and over what period of time this is, but if the general labor force needs needs, needs to increase ten percent to meet the demand of the growing senior population. Well, no, I'm just talking about the, the labor force in general. Got so it. just talk about it across all industries. Right. If it's if it's ten percent in nursing, it's double that. It's 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 twenty percent. And so, you know, we need to be in a position where not only where we can differentiate ourselves from other providers but also, you know, for, you know from, from a sales standpoint, but also from attracting employees. And so that was really, I guess, I think just as important as being able, you know, to attract those buyers was also being able to attract, empl- you know, the, 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 the employment aspect of it and to differentiate ourselves in that respect from other providers. Mm. Go ahead, Andy. You know, there's one other uh, big difference in the household model. Uh, healthcare traditionally has been a, a top-down system, you know, uh, Orders come from up top, and they filter down to the people on the floor, and really all the action is really on the on the floor. Uh, and in the household model, uh, we have self organized teams. Mm. Uh, the teams work together. They they uh, they'll vote one of their one of the people who works there to be the scheduler for a quarter, and they'll set their own schedule. So you try to make all the decisions on the floor in the home, and you try to get more people in direct care as opposed to having people up in administration. So it's, it's more of your your workforce and what you're paying for in your labor is there with a high touch, being with the members, providing the care, as opposed to being upstairs in administration. So this labor shortage, uh, we didn't start off talking about that trend, but obviously it's going to drive a lot of what's happening in your in your industry and in the, um, the broader you know, care industry as a whole. What are your thoughts on how often be a pretty thankless job, right? pretty thankless job rewarding and empowering for the, the people that are working in these in these homes well I think it's you know it's important uh, I think uh, particularly millennials coming in the, in the workforce uh, they want they want a meaningful job uh, uh, this is a very rewarding profession I mean I really enjoy what we do uh, and the difference in the household model the old, old ways are task oriented you know you have a in the old way you have a ta- list of tasks you have to do every day and you go try to knock those off the household model is relationship based. Mm. It's about all about the relationships with the the members and the and the staff. And there's some very strong relationships and relationships with with families and uh, adult daughters and and uh, care partners. I mean, this uh, really a lot goes on there. Relationship that people really don't realize, but uh, it's a it can be a very rewarding position. And I was talking to some my staff two days ago when a 
adult daughter came by that his mother had lived there and uh, you know they were hugging and embracing and she said well you know you got to realize this that, uh, you know uh, these care partners were my family when I was going through this with my, my mother and so mom passed away mom passed away after living there for a number of years and talking to the care partners they said well you know, you're right you know I, I have a family at home and then I have my family here so it's really a, it's a business where you have to have people that have a calling for it but it's a, it's a, it can be a very rewarding place to work and job mm-hmm and and Dave, what are you what are you thinking about? So this household model, as you mentioned, is both a play for the market, but it's also the the customer market. But it's also a play for the labor market. What are some other strategies that you might be thinking of or using to make this caregiving role more appealing to generations of workers who who are coming coming up? You know, rewarding part part that we talked about. Mm. Uh, have some consistency, get to know the people, you know, you're with the same people uh, every day as far as the members. So you, you know, you know that them, you know, your coworkers is in this household model. It's not usual people come in on their day off. It's all about being a great place to, to live and a great place to work. And, uh, we think we can pay a little better because I think we're a little bit more efficient doing it. So, uh, you know, we definitely try to, you know, take care of the people who work, work with us. Great. So, uh, listeners, we're talking to Isaacson Living, Andy Isaacson and David Wan is CFO. So, and they're specialists in, in senior living. And we've been talking about a new model for senior living called the household model, where people actually become the, the residents there, become a household. They, they become a, a, a unit. And so, on the show, one of the, the themes that you hear consistently across pretty much all the shows that we do is the importance of of relationships, as you mentioned, Andy, and culture, you know, building the, the a culture that that allows for the kinds of behaviors and and values that that produce um, great results at the at the company. Um, you're also family owned, yes. It's a family right. owned That's family right. owned business. And I'm wondering, we've had a number of family owned businesses on the show. How is it working with family? And how are you translating some of those quote family values into the people who work for you? And and do you do it intentionally, in an intentional way? Well, we got we got started in this business uh, just through family experience with my parents mm. and uh, uh, Kevin, my brother's son, you know, works with us. And uh, your nephew, my nephew, and uh, and Dave. We have some 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 partners with us like Dave that that aren't family. Uh, although Dave feels like family family sometimes, but <laughs> I, I'd like to say I'm, I've been adopted, <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, we get all get along well and have our roles. And, uh, you know, it really had, had been any issue for us. But uh, uh, I think the it's really kind of a family-like atmosphere in the, our communities as far as everybody that works there. And I think the customer picks up on that. And, it's, it's, uh, you know, we're not a, a chain out of Chicago or something like that. We're, you know, we're people know where how to find us and see us in the community. We know, know the people that live there. We know the people that work there. And so I think that, uh, you know, that helps us in the, the marketplace with uh, – you know, labor and the customers, and that's kind of kind of who we are. We're not trying to be the the biggest. We're trying to do something good, do a good job with it, have a rewarding career ourselves. Yeah. So you mentioned that this is the personal calling because of your parents. Tell us tell us about that story and how the experience with your parents had you had you start Isaacson Living. Well, I've been in real estate my whole life, real estate development, um, and my father was in residential real estate. When his retirement years, when he started looking around for something, I would see what he was looking at through his eyes and really kind of learn the business through the customer standpoint. And uh, my mother had uh, early dementia when he started looking around and uh, they finally did decide to move into a community. And uh, after they moved in, 
within six months, my father passed away, and then my brother, sister, and I were, you know, taking care of the lead, we're taking care of my mother. And uh, you know, the last five years of her life, I think we had to move her four times as her mm. conditions changed. And you you get a call and say, well, you know, you got to move your mom. And we saw everything from the consumer standpoint. And uh, kind of after all the experience was over, you know, I said, you know, there's got to be a better way to do it, do this. And uh, I got exposed to the you know, the campus-style communities that we do today that have all levels of care where you have many tools in your toolbox as far as different levels of care and resources. And uh, I just got a you know, calling to do that. I was looking interested in doing something that's meaningful, and I like things that are complicated, and uh, it's really been a fun business. So how do you see the, the household model rolling out? Is it, it one thing that occurs to me is if you have these little households of 18 people, how scalable is it? Right. Because the larger communities obviously are very scalable, but I mean, is it possible to build a, you know, a, a larger organization with, with, with the household model? Well, at Pebble Brook, we're going to have six households of 18. Well, six, five households of 18 in an adult day household. So you can, you can scale it up. You could, uh, I mean, you could do a very large community if you want to with, with households of 18 or you could do them smaller. You could do one of 18. I think there's some economies when you do, more households, you know, together in an adjacent area, but uh, it is it is very scalable. You can do one household, um, not as efficient, but you can do multiple households in the same place. Mm. And how many people? How many? Uh, each household has how many staff members? During the day, the day shifts, there'd be three care partners: a homemaker, a house nurse, would be the, the typical staffing. Uh, if you look at this, you know, it's twenty four seven. So if you look at it over a period of a week, it adds up to be about 18 people there in, in the home. Plus, you have some administrative people in support. So it's a family unit. They all work together and have meetings and decide on how things are done. So, mm-hmm. And, and um, do you have any um, guidelines or how do you, what do you do to foster, you know, it sounds to me like they nat- they're naturally self-governing because they're developing the sense of being a, a unit. But do you have any guidelines or... Um, ways that you work with them to build a culture that then reinforces your your company values. Understand? We do a lot of training. We're doing a lot of training right now. We're going to continue to do training. Um, so we invest a lot in in, in training our our people. Um, you know, one of the things I like about the household model is I've worked in a smaller office a lot of my career, and you know, when you work in a smaller setting, you know, if, if it's just kind of self managed, you know, if it, if you're not carrying your weight i mean everybody lets you know pretty quick you know <laughs> so it's, it's a it's a better way to manage things i think you can sometimes get lost in a big organization but a small organization your peers aren't going to let you get lost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um so as you think about the the broader trend in in um you know senior living and elder elder care in, in general are there any other trends or models that you think will be emerging or things that you think are important for, for us to be aware of? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, what we're doing at Peachtree Hills going to this condominium model, I think, um, you know, that's uh, certainly something that could be replicated and we certainly intend to do that and bring more of that type of, you know, that, that style or, uh, you know, that structure, you know, to other areas of Atlanta. I mean, it's the same from a, from a service and amenity standpoint, it's not any different than Park Springs, it's just uh, a, a difference in how the the you know the the risks and rewards are shared. Mm. And so, how does the the just educate us on how the condominium model actually works? 
you understand the entrance fee model. The entrance fee, you're basically paying a, an upfront fee to get into the community, and then you pay an ongoing monthly fee for the amenities and the services. The upfront fee is typically, uh, some portion of that is typically refundable to you or your estate once you leave the community. And the condominium model, so you don't actually, so in the entrance fee model, you don't actually own, you don't have any title, you don't actually own anything. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have the right to live there as long as you can and or are, you know, as long as you want and or are able to. Mm -hmm. In the condominium model, you actually own your independent living unit. You have condominium ownership of, of your independent uh, living unit. You still have the same amenities and services, but rather than being the entrance fee, it's ownership. Hmm. I'm assuming the condominium model, you said that you have access to same, all the same services, so there's the same care, the same, you know, the nurse, the doctor, all of that is still available to you if you're there? Yes, yes. Everything else is exactly, is exactly the same. The one difference is that element of ownership that the condominium model brings. Hmm. I think one thing that kind of goes along with that is we're attracting a younger buyer and, and really the trend we're trying to lead is we're trying to build communities where people want to move to as opposed to moving to when they have to. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing. We're getting a lot of younger people at Peachtree Hills. You know, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to live there. It's, it's a great location. It's, you know, wonderful units. It's a great lifestyle and uh, it just happens to have the health care. So, you know, people, younger people like that because they, they, they know they have, never have to move again and they have a great lifestyle. And that, that's really what we're, that's the trend we're trying trying to uh, promote. And that's the way I look at it is I, I want to build a place that I want to live in, you know. Go ahead, Dave. Well, I was just, I mean, that's, so, so we're, a, we're a very, very small part of the industry. Most of the industry is, is more geared towards the, you know, the need-based type product. Which is why I'm, I have you on the show. So I think this is fascinating. Yeah. So Go ahead. It, it, well, and, and, and so we're, we're you know, the, 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 the segment we're going after is that, is that more, you know, that independent buyer. And, you, you know, so you need that robust set of amenities and services to attract them. And then we want to keep them longer with having that full continuum of care. So attract them earlier and keep them longer. And I guess, uh, you know, I guess in a nutshell, I guess you could say is our objective. And so, uh, Andy, you mentioned that that um, somebody who's buying one of these condominiums never has to move again. So you have the entire progression all the way up until, you know, the um, their, the dependent care all the way. Up the, is available to them there. You might have to leave to go to the hospital, but you can come back to the hospital do your re <laughs> rehab there. And yeah. we have all levels of care. So no, you didn't even ever have to, have to move. That's great. So I'm going to ask a, a kind of an interesting question. So you talked about the labor shortage. You know, so we've talked about this, these new models and, you know, how that's changing. We talked a little bit about the labor, labor shortage. And you mentioned that Having mean creating meaning for millennials is one of the things that that they find really um, really important, and you're doing some work to make sure that that you're creating meaningful experiences for them at, at working at at Isaacson Living. I see two young women here that they came with you, so I would love to for you to weigh in on anything else that you're doing because I just thought it was fascinating to see somebody who's you know probably in her twenties, thirties, right, working at the senior living living center. Uh, what are you doing to to keep um, Isaacson Living kind of fresh and relevant and and attractive to to younger younger people? Well, we're always trying to innovate and do better. We're always trying to improve ourselves. That's kind of one of our core principles, and we do a lot of training and people in our business that they they want to do a good job. We give them the resources to be able to do a good job, and so that's one reason I think why we attract people. And you know, we're growing. That gives people opportunities. We try to 
you know, move our people along, give them pass and education, move them, move them up, up the ladder in the jobs, uh, give them places to go. And I think people are looking for that too. And we just try to try to grow with, with, from within. And uh, you have to have a heart for this business. And some people don't have it. And some people people do. And the people that do really like what what we do and and the difference we make in a lot of people's lives. And uh, it's a good career. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Andy and Dave. Listeners, we've been talking to Andy Isaacson and his CFO, Dave Wan, from Isaacson Living. Um, they have a whole group of senior living facilities, and they're doing some really innovative things with the, the models for care at those facilities. And I've been delighted to have them on the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if you want to, uh, listeners, if you want to check out key takeaways from today's show, you can check those out on Thursday um, on our blog. You can find out more about Isaacson Living at our website. That's www.ceoexclusiveradio.com. I'm your host, Soyini Coke, and I hope you have a profitable, prosperous, and very productive week. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.